Just four short days ago, I was with my wife, Amy, walking along the shore of the Great Salt Lake, watching the Utah sun sink down into the mountains like juice running from a blood orange. For the previous week, we had been wandering through the immeasurable emptiness of the American West on a trip for our anniversary. For seven wonderful days, we were in constant awe of God and his creation. But as they say, every silver lining has a cloud. And like a scene straight out of a Jim Harrison story, my phone rang with the abrupt absurdity that can only happen in proximity to an unforgettable sunset. Through my Apple device, that unfruitful work of darkness, came the cursed news that my granddad, Bob King, had died. Earlier that day, we had been driving through the Great Basin of eastern Nevada, and I saw places where people should not be able to live but do. I saw that some people only have time to locate water, and they do not have energy to be thinking about culture wars. The vast valleys between those ancient snow-capped peaks, though only inhabited by a few hard-scrabble people, felt familiar, and I thought to myself, I would like to live here. But in the moment after I received that call, bringing me the news of death, I turned to my wife and I said, this makes no sense. Life is absurd. Being alive is inscrutable. I must go to my people. So today, I'm here with you on the island of Manhattan, but yesterday I was in Santa Cruz, California via Utah, consoling my mother and stepfather and brothers because the cherished patriarch of our family at the shockingly young age of 91 returned to the dust from which he came. When David invited me to participate in this wonderful gathering, I felt so touched and honored as I have been very blessed by the ministry of Mockingbird over the years. And so with great vigor, I prepared to do whatever it is conference chaplains do. <laughs> I prayed a little, I read, I wrote, anticipating that the Holy Spirit would help me prepare at least a decent side dish, a casserole even, maybe some bubbling stew of hope to add to this fine potluck of comfort food we will all be enjoying these next few days. Lord, I said, let me bring hope to your weary people. Let me be a part of the work of dispensing grace to the hungry. Let me console and comfort. And Lord, if you don't mind, let me do it all with power. The problem with asking God for help is that sometimes he gives it to you. If you ask God for power, it shouldn't be surprising when he goes to the supper table of your life and he blesses and breaks and dispenses his grace through you. What is the icon of God's power? if not the broken bread of the supper table. I had prepared my words in strength, 
But because of strange circumstances, today I have arrived in weakness. Maybe that's true of you as well. Maybe you've come here depleted and disrupted. Well, that's just fine. As always, we're in good company. I have to say that my plan heading into this conference was pretty good. But however inopportune it may be, God has a mightier plan. I'm sure this can be disputed, but the way I think about life goes like this. God does not cause trouble. He does not explain trouble. He redeems trouble. He allows it because this is how the reality of his true consolation spreads among us. Even when he doesn't intervene, his love supersedes his non-intervention. It's the perfect excuse for him to be among us as the comforter. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others in any kind of trouble. And in that comfort, we find a solidarity with Christ, which enlivens our hearts with the full potency of his resurrection power. I do not hold up to you or for you the recent death of my grandfather as a token or a ploy to play upon your emotions. It is indeed sad. I am indeed sad. But I feel a massive comfort within me a mighty eschatological hope that is bearing down on this present moment here tonight. I feel the consolation of the Spirit present with me, and I feel it with you as well, able to not only feed this room, but this city and the cities from which we have all come. Because as overused as the word hope may be, the inherent power located in the reality of God's hope is totally sufficient for actually comforting a world out of its weariness and into new life. So I would like to close by paraphrasing St. Paul's 2nd Corinthian epistle. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed about the troubles I experienced in the province of Utah. I am under great pressure, far beyond my ability to endure, so that I despaired of life itself. Indeed, I felt I had received the sentence of death. But this happened, that I might not rely on myself, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will surely deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, it is our confession tonight that your hope is truly sufficient for us. Your hope is truly sufficient for a world that is weary. And God, I ask that over this next few days that you would penetrate our hearts with the comforter, with the power of your Holy Spirit, and you would guide us and lead us into a greater awareness of this ever-present hope. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.